Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program, asking Allah that it serves as a benefit for all. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to Al-Bayan Live. I'm your host Abu Abdurrahman and I'm very pleased to be joined today by my dear Sheikh, Sheikh Abu Bakr Zawd. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's very good to have you with us once again. We thank you for being with us on this day after Eid. How was your Eid? MashaAllah, Allah barak fikr wa jizikam khair. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, Eid. As usual, it is a day of celebration and a day of joy. Alhamdulillah, the best thing of it is to see the large amount and the large number of Muslims that attend as-salat and enjoying himself. We ask Allah Azza wa to accept it from us. Ameen, ameen. Yeah, this Sheikh, uh, this Eid and your last Eid, did you find much difference or the same in terms uh, of the community and comparing to overseas? What happened last Eid? I think last Eid we were out of the lockdowns, we were out of that all Corona that, that kind of, uh, yeah, and it took people into a different world they haven't experienced. But uh, generally, Alhamdulillah, yani, I think for me, uh, Eid is always uh, the same uh, event. And who Aslan Subhanallah, yani, the word Al Eid, it comes from the word Ada, which means to repeat. So the happiness is always repeated, you know, every single year. We do the same activities, people are cooking the same foods, are eating the same thing. It's always repeated. for the Lebanese, 100%. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. We ask Allah to bless uh, the Eid of all our listeners and Amen. to allow us to reach Ramadan and benefit no. from it once again. Amen. Now, this Sheikh, you chose your relationship with the Quran after Ramadan. Why this specific topic? Naam, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Salatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah. So no doubt, one of the greatest activities that happen in Ramadan is our engagement and our relationship with the Qur'an. There is no doubt in this. And of course, uh, يعني, Ramadan is the month of Qur'an. Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed, more specifically in Laylat al-Qadr, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So every believer... Every believer knows the importance of the Qur'an during Ramadan. And every believer strives to at least finish reading the Qur'an once. And even if he doesn't understand what he's reading, you find that the attitude of the Muslims when it comes to the Qur'an in Ramadan, uh, they strive and they put their maximum effort to read the Qur'an once. If not, at least they're reading something. You come into uh, at night, Salat al-Tarawih, you're listening to Al-Quran, during the day you're reading Al-Quran. And so why I wanted to talk about this matter, which is your relationship with the Quran after Ramadan, is because now everyone is on a high with the Quran. Everyone has had a taste of the Quran during Ramadan. This is يعني, the righteous one among us and the most corrupt among us. Everyone knew the importance of the Quran. So we need to take advantage of this relationship that we've had with the Quran during Ramadan and this is what we want to discuss today. We want to discuss how do we continue this relationship? How do we continue engaging with the Qur'an after Ramadan? Sheikh, it's very important because many people say, you know, I was very committed to the Qur'an, I was listening to the Qur'an as you, as you put it, and then they tend to slacken off. And some of the questions we have, which we'll get to later, is about the Qur'an. Where do they start? Now, um, where do they start? No, Ahsan. So the idea is uh, there is room for each and every single one of us to improve his relationship with the Qur'an. The greatest expert in the Qur'an and the scholar that understands the Qur'an from the beginning to the end, even he has room to improve with the Qur'an. And so we're going to have to answer this question by saying that each and every single person knows what type of relationship he has with the Qur'an. Some people, they know of themselves that they struggle to read. For that person, his journey begins by choosing a teacher for himself and committing to weekly classes and to start learning how to read. Those that know how to read, then their room of improvement is to now commit to a dedicated time to read because you might be able to read the Qur'an but you're actually not engaging with the Qur'an, you're not reading anything. So you begin to commit um, to a time, whether in the morning or the evening, the afternoon, at night, before you sleep, and you start reading. Those who know how to read, there is room to improve and to upgrade that relationship by starting to memorize the Qur'an. Those who are reading and memorizing the Qur'an, there is room to develop 
and that is to begin to understand the Qur'an and start seeking the tafsir of this Qur'an, implementing the Qur'an, reflecting over its meaning, ponderings. So, yeah, and alhamdulillah, there is room for everyone. You just need to give it a moment, observe your relationship with the Qur'an, see where you are, and see how you're going to start moving forward. And yani, the most important thing is be realistic in how you're going to improve in your relationship with the Qur'an. Don't burden yourself with things you will not ever reach there. Right? Some people, he doesn't know how to read the Qur'an. But he's thinking, how am I going to sit down one day in front of the people and explain the Qur'an to him? Sets an unrealistic goal to himself and as a result he'll never achieve anything. Something small. Think of how you're going to find a teacher. And how you're going to commit the half an hour a week. And you start from there. And then over time, as you improve, as you see your relationship with the Qur'an developing, Allah Azza wa Jal grants you success that you reach a different level and an upgraded level with your relationship with the Qur'an. Now, well, Shaykh, it does need a commitment. You need no self-reflection doubt. and to commit to a dedicated hey, plan. Of course. Now, of sh- course. Now, Shaykh, in regards to learning how to read, you know, some people, they tend to refer to transliterations if I'm getting it right like English uh, Arabic spelled in English it could never be right as you know uh, should they start the classical way like a child learns okay. if they're starting from zero for example so obviously there are Qur'ans that are written in transliteration just to clarify on the issue of transliteration ulama rahimahumullah have declared and mentioned that it is impermissible to write the Qur'an in a transliteration form that is written in. And then I have seen some Qur'an versions that have the exact same frame as the Qur'an that is written in the Arabic language and they filled the pages only with transliteration. Whether this is something that is haram, then the Qur'an was revealed in Arabic. The transliteration is there just as an aid for the one who is trying to read the Qur'an. And this shouldn't be the only preferable standard method of reading the Qur'an for the one who doesn't know how to read the Arabic. This should only be used as a means to improve on your Arabic language. And once you've mastered how to read, you don't look at the transliteration anymore and you start reading the Qur'an from the Arabic language itself. So this also depends on a person, where he's up to, what can he read from the Arabic language, what does he know. You know, at times it's it's perhaps more preferable to listen to the Qur'an and follow it in the Arabic language. All you need to know is you need to learn the, the letters. Once you've learned the Arabic letters and you know how they look like at the beginning of a word, the middle of a word, the end of a word, that's it. You won't need the transliteration anymore. You turn on the Qur'an, you, you play it on your phone and you begin to follow and that would be a better option then the transliteration altogether. Medical. If you got no. a few comments, Sheikh, I'll try to get through some of them. A few salams to you. No. From your brother Muhammad Khadar. MashaAllah. He said, it's still Eid if Sheikh Abu Bakr is still in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> MashaAllah. Sheikh Khadar, Muhammad Khadar, Allah, he barak fee, we see khair. We're still here. MashaAllah ta'ala, we're leaving tomorrow night. <laughs> and he was still here as well. He just introduced us. MashaAllah. Our voiceover man, our announcer, Jazakallah khairan. Yeah, brother Ziyad says, may Allah preserve the Sheikh and accept his deeds. May Allah strengthen his heart Ameen. and keep him steadfast. Amen. Sheikh, now when we get back into it, strengthening your relationship or maintaining your relationship uh, with the Quran after Ramadan, where do we go to next? So first and foremost, and then let's speak about uh, the relationships with the Quran. What are they supposed to be? A person, a believer, uh, he always aspires to be from Ahlul Quran. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ أَهْلِينَ مِنَ النَّاسِ هُمْ أَهْلُ الْقُرْآنِ هُمْ أَهْلُ اللَّهِ وَخَاصَّتُهُ The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, that there is a special type of people for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these special type of people to Allah azza wa jal, are the people of the Qur'an. And so there comes a very important question, and that is, what is my relationship with the Qur'an supposed to be in order for me to be recognized from among the people of the Qur'an? Ulama, they say, there are five things. Five things a believer must be doing in terms of his relationship with the Qur'an to be known from Ahlul Qur'an. 
those are the Ahlullah wa khassatuh, the special selected chosen people by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The first and foremost thing is to read the Qur'an, to commit to reading the Qur'an. And of course, this is a matter that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did. This is a matter that Allah azza wa commanded when Allah azza wa said, Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Iqra' read and the greatest thing you're ever going to read on earth is this quran and the proof for this is that even on the day of judgment the only thing of the books that will be recited is the quran imagine that imagine that my dear listeners every single book that was published on earth the billions and billions of books all of that will be destroyed and gone once this world comes to an end and on the day of judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the people of the Qur'an, اِقْرَأْ وَارْتَقِ وَرَتِّلْ كَمَا كُنْتَ تُرَتِّلُ فِي الدُّنْيَا The only thing you'll be told to read is the Qur'an. Read and recite and ascend and your level in the paradise is with the last consistent ayah you used to read in this worldly life. So that's the first thing, reading the Qur'an. والسلف والعلماء والصحابة There are tons and tons of stories about their recitation of the Qur'an. For the vast majority of them, they used to read the Qur'an once every week. Once every week. So there is a specific uh, method uh, in terms of reading this Qur'an every seven days. And that was the Qira'ah, that was the recitation of the Sahaba to the Qur'an. So that's number one, reading the Qur'an. Number two, when it comes to our relationship with the Qur'an, in order to be considered from the special chosen people and Ahlul Qur'an, a person needs to memorize the Qur'an. He needs to memorize the Qur'an. Wal-Sahaba radiyallahu anhum would memorize the Qur'an. Wallah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages this matter. Wallah azza wa jal says, وَلَقَدْ يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ فَهَلْ مِنْ مُدَّكِرِ Is there anyone? Allah azza wa jal, he says, يَسَّرْنَا الْقُرْآنَ لِلذِّكْرِ We made the Qur'an easy for people to remember. Is there anyone out there that is going to, Mudakir? is there anyone out there willing to memorize it, willing to implement it, willing to learn it? Al-Muddakir has يعني, many meanings to it. So it includes memorizing it as well. So that's the second thing, reading the Quran, memorizing the Quran. Number three, Al-Ulama rahimahumullah would say to learn the tajweed of the Quran. In order to be from Ahlul Quran, from the people of the Quran, you need to learn the tajweed of the Quran. Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu, he used to uh, discipline his children. He used to hit them if they were not reading the Qur'an with tajweed. And the tajweed is part of the Qur'an. It is not a separate subject. Today is taught at a separate so It's taught as a separate subject so that people understand the rules and they're able to implement them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the Qur'an came down in the exact manner that we recite it today with the tajweed. وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلَ Allah Azza wa Jal, he says. Then we have the fourth matter. And that is uh, to, uh, they say, al-ulama, rahimahumullah, mention, at-tadabbur, uh, tadabbur al-Qur'an, tadabbur al-Qur'an. What tadabbur is to ponder and to reflect over the Qur'an, to read the ayat, to understand what Allah Azza wa Jal wants from you. And then the fifth relationship they mention is al-amalu bihi, to implement this Qur'an. And tadabbur and implementing the Qur'an are two things that are similar to each other, because ultimately, التدبر, when you reflect over the Qur'an, uh, as Al-Hasan Al-Basri, rahimahullah, he says, وَمَا تَدَبُّرُ آيَاتِهِ إِلَّا, بِالتِّبَاعِ إلا بِالتِّبَاعِهِ He said, the correct meaning of pondering over the Qur'an is that you follow through with the ayat and you implement them. If Allah Azza wa Jal had commanded something, you do it. And if Allah Azza wa Jal has prohibited something, you keep away from it. That's تدبر Qur'an. These are five things. If a person was to commit to these matters in terms of his relationship with the Qur'an, these are the people that al-ulama rahimahumullah would say they qualify to be Ahlul Qur'an. So this is our relationship. This is the believer's relationship with the Qur'an. Now, five things. Five matters. Mm-hmm. You are. So to read, to memorize, to read, to memorize, to tajweed, act upon the Qur'an. And this is ultimately for why the Qur'an was revealed. Al-Qur'an was revealed so that we can implement it. You know, even reading the Qur'an. When you read the Qur'an, right? You read, let's say, the Qur'an once. Once you finish, 
the sunnah is to read again, start again, right? You start again and you finish. You finish, you start again and you read. The idea when you read the Quran once and twice and three times and four times and this repetition keeps on going on in your life, what's the point of it? When you read something and you repeat it, that's only so that you can understand. And imagine you had a newspaper and you read the first article on the newspaper. You read it once, then you read it again, then you read it a fourth, third time. And I say, why, why are you reading this same article three, four times? So I want to understand it. So I read it once and two times and three times. Look at the Quran. Yani Allah Azza gave us this book and he encourages us to read it and we read it and we continue to repeat it. And every time we repeat it, we are supposed to learn new meanings. We're supposed to engage more in its meaning and implement more. Even memorizing. Hello, when you memorize something, don't you repeat it? No. So you want to memorize Surah Al-Fatiha. Say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah. When you're memorizing, you're forced to repeat the ayah. And the repetition is so that you understand. Because anytime you read something and you don't understand it, what do you do? Read it again. So this idea of reading the Quran over and over again implies the fact that you're only reading it again so you can understand it. So do not skip this point. And you know, my dear listeners, this is a sad fact. And I think it is the saddest fact I have ever come across. And that is that the most read book on earth that is not understood is the Quran. And so this is a calamity. And so this is why we're supposed to re-engage with the Quran and really understand. Why are we reading the Quran over and over again? In Ramadan, we read the Quran. There was efforts. Al-Imam in Tarawih read the Quran. Bil-Qiyam, Quran. You hear stories about people reading the Quran ten times in Ramadan, or five times in Ramadan. But then I ask the question, what's the point? What is the point of reading the Quran? Some people say, I've memorized the Quran, I'm reading it so I don't forget it. I need to repeat because if I don't read it, I'll forget it. No. Some say, Wallah, I'm reading it because every, every letter is a hasana, a ten hasanat. Imagine how many hasanat I'm going to collect, especially in Ramadan, so I need to be quick and I want to read. Some people are reading the Quran. Why are you reading the Quran? Well, I don't know. I attended the lecture and they said it's wajib and I need to read the Quran, so I'm reading the Quran. Tayyip, excellent. But what is the point of us reading the Quran? Something that the majority miss. And that is, we read the Quran for the guidance that Allah has put in the Quran. We don't read the Quran so that we can retain it in our memory. All this is going to come. Don't worry about this. But the ultimate reason for why we are reading the Quran is so that we are guided by this Quran. To read Allah's guidance. I mean, what does Allah want from me during the day? What does He want from me during the night? How does Allah want me to dress? What does He want me to eat? What does He want me to keep away from? How does Allah want me to earn my wealth? What does He want me to keep away from when it comes to financial transactions? What are the places that I'm allowed to go to? What are the places I should avoid? You all find in the Quran. We're reading the Quran because this is where we're going to source our guidance. Allah Azza wa Jal, He said, When Allah described the Quran at the very beginning of the Quran, He said there is great guidance for the muttaqeen in this book. And you notice, Shaykh Nidal, Hudan lil muttaqeen. And what was the purpose of fasting? What was the purpose of fasting? The purpose of fasting was for you to attain taqwa, piety, to increase in your taqwa. Taqwa means that you are now more obedient to Allah, less disobedient of Allah Azza So fasting increased your taqwa. And the beginning of the Baqarah, Allah is saying this Quran the muttaqeen are going to benefit from its guidance. So we've just come out of Ramadan and the taqwa is supposed to be elevated, right? Our obedience of Allah now has increased. Our disobedience of Allah has decreased. We've just come out. Well, Quran, the ones that are going to benefit from its guidance the most are people of muttaqeen, are people of taqwa, which you and I have been attaining for the last 30 days. So we need to take advantage of this taqwa that is still within our hearts. And so we're supposed to come to the Qur'an with this attitude. Oh Allah, guide me through this word. 
Guide me through your ayat. Allah Azza wa Jal, he said, قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ نُورٌ وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهِ They came to you from your Lord. Noor. Light. Light is being mentioned. هُوَ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Could be the Quran, Islam. All these three things is what the light of Allah is. وَكِتَابٌ مُبِينٌ And a clear book has come to you from your Lord. يَهْدِي بِهِ اللَّهِ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِضْوَانَهُ Anyone who seeks Allah's pleasure will find his guidance in this book. So we cannot neglect this fact. We need to approach this Qur'an and know why we're reading it. We want our guidance from this Qur'an. And I tell you something, Shaykh Nidal and my dear listeners, and that is that if we don't develop a serious attitude with the Qur'an and we don't focus on our relationship with the Qur'an and if we choose to neglect the Qur'an after Ramadan, abandon the Qur'an after Ramadan, the biggest consequence we're going to fall in is that we are going to fall in every fitna that comes in our way. Anyone who abandons the Qur'an, meaning he abandoned guidance, meaning he's in darkness, he's, gonna tra- he's going to fall into every trap and into every fitna. Very simple. Very simple. Al-Qur'an offers guidance. Al-Guidance is light. Imagine you are walking in in a desert or you're walking in the bush when the sunlight is out. Good. You can walk and you know when the trees are in front of you, 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 you know how to duck down. When there's a rock in front of you, you know how to move around it. Perfect. You're all good. Imagine walking in the bush when it's complete darkness. The sun's not out. What's going to happen? You'll fall, fall trip, stumble, uh, you'll bleed, you'll break bones. And that's the exact same example of a person who walks while the Qur'an is alive in his heart. This is like a person walking when the sun is out and he's walking in between the bushes and the shrubs. And the one who abandons the Qur'an, meaning he abandoned guidance, he abandoned the light, it's like a person that is walking in the bush among the shrubs when it is total and complete darkness. And then what's going to happen to him? And so now, this is how life is. Every single day we are faced with fitr and evil and corruption and tests and trials in society, on the news, doubts that creep into the minds of people, temptations, desires, uh, sexual related matters, wherever you see them. How, how are you going to survive? How are you going to survive if you do not hold on to the nur, to the light and to the guidance that Allah Azza wa gave us? This is why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the one who reads the first 10 ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah he'll be saved from the fitna of Al-Dajjal. Shaykh Nidal, is there anything worse than fitna Al-Dajjal? Is there anything worse? Al-Dajjal is the greatest fitna. If only 10 ayat were enough to save you from his fitna, then imagine the entire Qur'an, how much is it going to save you from every other fitna that's less than him? That's huge. How can you live without the Qur'an? فَنَحْنَا We need to grow our understanding and know that the Qur'an is here. It is a mercy of Allah upon us. Heather, it's literally light. You're walking and navigating in this dark world of fitna and evil and corruption. Allah Azza wa Jal will save you with this Qur'an. وَيَهْدِي بِهِ كَثِيرًا Allah says. He guides through this Qur'an many. Guides them through, guides them through the difficulties, through the trials, through the tribulations, through Al-Fitan. That's what the Qur'an does. So we need to refresh our understanding. We're just coming out of Ramadan. We've been reading the Qur'an and listening to the Qur'an. But do we really know why we were listening and reading it? This is why we were reading it and listening to it. Because our guidance is in here. Whoever thinks that Oh, alhamdulillah, the month of the Qur'an is finished. I'll wait until Ramadan, next one comes. How's he going to survive from this Ramadan to next Ramadan? How's he going to f- survive with every fitna that comes about and in front of him? Not only that, Shaykh Nidal. The thing is, yani, you know, there are calamities and trials and tribulations in life. How are you going to survive your calamities? How are you going to make sure you remain steadfast during difficult times if you don't have a relationship with the Qur'an. Yani, where are you going to find motivation? 
Where are you going to find encouragement to remain steadfast upon your Iman and your deen if you've abandoned the Qur'an? You know, when people abandon their deen and they leave their prayers and they can't pray anymore and the sister removes her hijab and the brother shaves his beard and whatever it is that people do in terms of going backwards upon their deen, when do they do that? The majority of people lose their deen in calamities and in hardships. Hardly anyone loses his deen when things are going good. When things are going good, the money is there, the job is there, the children are there, everyone's healthy, everyone's good, no sickness, no nothing. Oh, it's very easy. La ilaha illallah, brother, we're working. As soon as a calamity strikes, a difficulty comes, a person loses his wealth, loses his job, gets divorced, a child dies, he gets diagnosed with a serious sickness or a cancer or an illness. This is where people lose their deen. It is at that moment, if you don't have an ayah in your heart that teaches you what this calamity is all about and that this is a calamity coming from Allah that is going to purify you, it's going to cleanse you, it's testing your belief in Allah. If you don't have ayat that teach you this, that's how people lose their deen. That's how people lose it. And this is exactly what happened to the Sahaba. Yeah, look at the Sahaba in the battle of Uhud. When they were losing the war, and 70 companions died. And rumors spread that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had died. And chaos. And the disbelievers have come. And they're shooting them with arrows. You know the Sahaba, what did they do? They said, Anna hadha. Allah mentions this in the Quran. The Sahaba, Anna hadha. When they were tested and put in stress and difficult calamity, the Sahaba companions, they would go around and say, why? Why are we in this calamity? Why has Allah brought this upon us? Why? Shuf, then Allah answers them with a few words. Qul huwa bin indi anfusikum. This calamity has come. It's because of what you did. You didn't obey the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you decided to come down from the mountain. For those who know the story, yani, they came down from the mountain. They disobeyed the command of Rasulullah Sallallahu But the idea is, once Allah answered them, they were satisfied. Yani, Al-Quran, Allah Azzawajal, in the Quran, answered them. They were in a calamity and they asked just like today, today people, if they fall into a calamity, why? Why, why Allah? Why me? Why did you give me this calamity? Why, is, why, 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 why me? Why do I have this sickness? Why did I lose my job, Ya Allah? Why did you cause my divorce, Ya Allah? Why? They ask these questions. It's because of your own doings. Awesome. For the companions, this is how Allah answered them. But the companions were satisfied because they found an answer in the Quran. And this is why immediately after the battle of Uhud, they were able to pick themselves up really strong, full of eagerness and motivation. And they went to the next door, which is Hamra al-Asad. Allah Azza wa he said uh, about them, uh, they answered Allah and His Messenger and they got up and they wanted to continue another battle after they've all been injured and damaged and in pain and bleeding. Allah, they're ready, خلاص, because Allah answered. Allah answered them. So the idea is, when you find answers in the Quran for your calamity, you remain firm and steadfast upon your deed. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the guidance that is in the Quran. That's what we should read the Quran for. Now, Shaykh, and subhanAllah al-Azim, pretty much every brother or sister that I've encountered, whether, you know, brothers from the Masajid or family, they're going through a calamity and they require help. From the questions you ask them is how's your relationship with the Quran? And as you beautifully put it, and most of the time tell you, there's no relationship. Allah I'm not reading the Quran. Allah I'm not reading Surah Al-Kahf even just once a week, even ten ayat from Surah Al-Kahf to protect you from the fitna no. of the Dajjal and so on and so forth. So it's evident there in, in our day-to-day dealings. But Sheikh, I wanted to ask, you mentioned reading and in the last program when we mentioned remaining steady or remaining firm after Ramadan, you mentioned maintain a minimum uh, when you're reading the Quran. But moving to the next point regarding memorizing. Now, regarding memorizing, should we memorize with understanding or memorizing enough just to memorize? Uh, what's the ideal Ahsan, scenario Ahsan. here? So, yani, this is always uh, a question that people are always confused about and they ask. They say, okay, I want to read the Quran. 
Well, I want to memorize the Quran. I want to ponder over the Quran. I want to understand the Quran. What do I do? Which one has more priority? Should I memorize the Quran or should I understand the Quran? We say, brothers and sisters in Islam, don't make the matter complicated upon yourself. First and foremost, we ask about the time that you have. How much time can you dedicate for the Quran in one given day? Someone might say, I can dedicate half an hour or I can dedicate an hour. We say, see that hour or half an hour of yours? Divide it in half. Use half that time to memorize and the other half to understand what you memorized. Why do you have to ask the question of which one do I prioritize? Fit them both in the one time that you're going to give for the Quran. Split your time in half. Use the first 15 minutes to memorize whatever 15 minutes allows you. For some people, 15 minutes, he can memorize five, six lines. For someone, 15 minutes, he can memorize half a line. Doesn't matter what it is. Just be consistent and commit to this 15 minutes. And the second 15 minutes of your half an hour, spend it to understand what you memorized. Read the tafsir. Listen to a tafsir of it. Ask your teacher. Ask a sheikh that, you know, reach out, reach out to them. Ask them these important questions that are going to be medicine in your life. Al-Quran is medicine. Al-Quran is a source of happiness in your life. Al-Quran removes sorrow and sadness and worry and concern and depression and stress from your life. That's what it's going to do. And that half an hour dose you need every single day. It's the problem in this. So reach out to your, to your mashaykh and ask. And this is how, يعني, inshallah ta'ala, you're going to يعني, deal with this matter of what do I prioritize? Don't have to prioritize anything. Put them together in that one time that you can commit to. And bismillah, you move forward with that. Sheikh, another question that is, is quite common is... My understanding of Arabic is not strong. They read English. Do you have any suggestions for them in, in improving their understanding of the Qur'an? So, yani for a person to improve his understanding of the Qur'an, he needs to learn the Arabic language. There is no doubt. Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, We revealed it in the Arabic language so that you may understand. So Allah Azza wa Jal specifically mentions that the Qur'an has been revealed in the Arabic language in order for it to be understood. Meaning, there is definitely a possibility to understand the Qur'an in the Arabic language. And so, step by step, step by step. And I know the brothers and the sisters, they're always overwhelmed because they do not set realistic goals. A person sits down and he says, I want to understand the Qur'an in Arabic. And then what's your first step and your second step? I don't know. I just know the goal. I don't know how to get there. First and foremost, you need to know this is a matter of years. It's going to take a lifetime. Don't rush. Understanding the Quran is not um, a drive through. It's not only you're going to drive through like how you pick up a McDonald's burger and you walk out. That's not the Quran and that's not knowledge in general. Knowledge requires years. The idea of sinin, spending years and years sitting and learning. So the first thing is you need to prepare yourself mentally that it's going to take years and you'll never finish. But being on the road is better than not being on the road. Walk slowly, walk fast, doesn't matter. You'll never get to the end, but be on it. Take a deep breath and understand I'm going to commit this on this path for life. Then you find the teacher for yourself. You can't do anything without a teacher. You need a teacher to teach you Arabic. Find, mashallah, today there is lots of online teachers, lots going on. In Egypt, there are teachers that are, um, you know, they're offering one hour for students wherever they are around the world. You sign up, very cheap, and you commit with this teacher and he's with you for as long as you want. You're learning Arabic, you, your wife, your husband, your children, and the whole family can learn. Just needs a little bit of effort. Even the sheikh that is in the area, yani, there's, there's something for everyone. But you cannot skip the fact that you need a teacher. And then you start learning. And I'll say learning. We don't have to go into the details of that. No. Because once you start your first class, you'll know exactly what learning means. Sheikh, related to this, we've got a question from Brother Muhammad. What is your view regarding all the apps available today that help with memorization, tafsir, pronunciation, and explanation? Is it okay to use this technology to master the Quran? MashaAllah. This technology is excellent. And I've يعني, got some of those apps and I've trialed and tested them. Wallahi, they're wonderful. But you need to be careful because they don't pick up every mistake you make and it doesn't correct every correction that needs to be done. Um, I think it's best used for someone that 
has already memorized a part of the Quran and wants to revise his uh, memorization, so he reads to that app and it brings up the ayat and the words of the Quran that he's reading and he knows that he's reading them correctly, it'll be more beneficial for someone like that. But I think a beginner, a beginner that wants to read, I don't think this is ideal. A beginner needs a teacher. You most definitely need a teacher. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Jibreel was his teacher. Yeah, that's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel was his teacher. Was sahaba radiyallahu anhum, their teacher was the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And those that came after the sahaba, التابعين الصحابة were the teachers so always 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 in history we learn that there was a teacher that taught the Quran to his students so never ever 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 skip that process there's no such thing as an app that's going to teach me and that will never exist you need a teacher the teacher will fix the makhraj the articulation points how the letters are coming out of your mouth um, perhaps you make a mistake with the Dhamma Kasra Fatha, the app's not going to correct that for you. Actually, if you did a mistake with the Fatha Kasra Dhamma, the app doesn't pick that up. The app only picks up the mistakes in terms of the words. If you've said a different word to what is already there, no. that's when the app will pick you up and it will give you a red strike and so on. But it won't. If you, if you, like if you said Alhamdulillahi, it will keep going. It won't pick that up. And that's, that's very, very dangerous. Alhamdulillahi. So imagine you memorize something like that and you've read it for years and weeks in, in, a, in a wrong way. This would be, يعني, you're, not making, you're not doing a service to yourself. So I say use those apps once you've memorized with a sheikh. Use it as a revision. No. Do not initiate memorization of it and just try to read to it from the very first go and you haven't had a teacher, you haven't at least read what you've memorized to a teacher. Everything you memorize from the very beginning must be read to a qualified teacher, not to an app. No. Sheikh, we've mentioned a bit about reading, memorizing, understanding, uh, tajweed. Now, tadabbur, contemplating or pondering over the Quran. Uh, how do we achieve that? Excellent. Do we just, you know, someone's memorizing ayah, sits on the beach and writes an ayah and says, I'm going to ponder over this or over that? Or? No, jayid. So the idea of a tadabbur, Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentions it in the Quran. That's how important it is. Allah Azza wa Jal, when he addressed the kuffar in Surah An-Nisa, he said, أَفَلَا تَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ وَلَوْ كَانَ مِنْ عِنْدِ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ لَوَجَدُوا فِيهِ اخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا This is an ayah specifically addressing the disbelievers. He said, why don't they ponder over the Quran? Because if the Quran was from other than Allah, they would have found an enormous number of contradictions within it. In Surah Muhammad, Allah Azza wa Jal addresses the hypocrites. He says, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ أَمْ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا He says, why don't the hypocrites ponder over the Qur'an? Or is it the fact that their hearts are sealed and locked up and chained? What we learn from this ayah is that when a person ponders over the Qur'an, it unlocks the seals and the chains that are on his heart. And the heart becomes pure and the heart softens to the remembrance of Allah Azza wa Jal. Then in Surah Sa'd, Allah Azza wa Jal now addresses the believers. He says to them, كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْنَاهُ إِلَيْكَ مُبَارَكٌ Allah Azza wa Jal, he says, this is a remarkable book that we have revealed unto you, Ya Rasulullah, مُبَارَكٌ It is full of barakah, Quran full of barakah. You read Surah Al-Ikhlas once and you earn the reward as though you've recited a third of the Quran. Barakah, ya akhi. كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْنَاهُ إِلَيْكَ مُبَارَكٌ لِيَدَّبَّرُوا آيَاتِهِ then Allah Azza wa mentions the wisdom for why he revealed this Qur'an. He said so that they may ponder over its ayat. You see in the last two ayat that we read, Allah said why don't they ponder over the Qur'an, the Qur'an as a whole. That's for the kafir, that's for the hypocrite. But when Allah is addressing the believer, he's teaching us that you and I are not only pondering over the Qur'an, our relationship is deeper. You and I are commanded to ponder over its ayat. Every single ayah, we have a special relationship with it. Yani, for example, when I read from Surah Al-Fajr, Wal-Fajr, and I stop, that's an ayah. Allah wants you to ponder over that. What are you going to ponder over Wal-Fajr? Sit down and ponder. Every single ayah, you need to ponder over it. Sit down and read Wal-Fajr. 
then question yourself. Allah is taking an oath by Al-Fajr. Allah is saying, I swear by Al-Fajr. In other words, Allah the Great only takes an oath by that which is great. Already I'm learning Salat Al-Fajr and the time of Fajr is a great time. Now then I sit down and I ask, what have I been doing at the time of Fajr? Have I taken this time seriously? Do I wake up at Fajr? Do I wake up my family at Fajr? Because if I don't wake them up, how am I going to teach them the importance of Fajr? Where are they going to learn? I have a child at home, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old. Every single day goes by in which I don't wake him up to Salat al-Fajr. When is he going to learn the importance of this time? The mother or the parents, they say they'll keep him sleeping because he's got school early. Don't wake him up, you know. He's tired. I'll wake him up for school. The more you do that, you, with your own hands, are teaching your children that the worldly life, which is the school, is more important than their religious obligations. That's what you're doing, ultimately. And that's what's being instilled within this child's head. Had you woken him up for Salat al-Fajr every single day, the child would realize there's something that is more important than the school. That's why my dad wakes me up or my mother wakes me up for Salat al-Fajr. And I'm just giving you an example. That's all from al-Fajr. Sit down with your family. Ask yourself, what have you done with this time? Al-Fajr. This is a time angels are coming down. Where are you? Among the lines of the believers praying? Or are you still in your bed sleeping? And so this is how we're pondering over the Qur'an. And the ultimate pondering over the Qur'an is to implement the ayah. So when you read Wal-Fajr, and you think of it, and you ponder over it in this manner that I just gave as an example, and then the next day, you make a commitment that I'm going to attend Salat Al-Fajr at the Masjid every day. Wallahi, the next day, when you walk to Salat Al-Fajr, and as you're leaving your house, you're remembering this one ayah, Wal-Fajr. Now, 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 now. As you're walking to the masjid, that is called Tadabbur al-Qur'an. This person now is pondering and reflecting over the Qur'an. Because the ultimate goal of reflecting over the Qur'an is to finally implement. And this is exactly what you're doing. See how, ya Akhi Nidal, ya Sheikh Nidal, how one ayah can change a person's life and instill great guidance into him. Now imagine you did this with the rest of the Qur'an. When you read an ayah of donation, and then you get up and you give a sadaqah. Or you open your app and you give a sadaqah. At that moment, you are doing tadabbur al-Qur'an. When you read an ayah about Allah's mercy, about His forgiveness, and then you take a moment and you say, Allahumma ghfirli, my Lord, forgive my sins. My Lord, bestow my, your mercy upon me. At that moment, and you are making tadabbur of the Qur'an. You read an ayah about Allah's generosity, about Allah's kindness and his compassion and gentleness. And within your heart, your love for Allah increased. And they, now this is Tadabbur al-Qur'an. And you're pondering over the Qur'an. This is Tadabbur al-Qur'an. It's not a complex matter. This is a relationship with everyone that we're supposed to have with the Qur'an. No. Now, Shaykh, you mentioned that the link between Tadabbur and acting upon the Qur'an. In a time where, sadly, reciting the Qur'an has become ceremonial, special events, when someone dies and the like, what's some advice for us to truly treat the, treat the Qur'an as a book of guidance and therefore a book of action in our lives, to really implement and act upon the Qur'an in our lives daily, on a community level and on an individual level? Sheikh Nidal and dear listeners, the idea is the idea is to understand, ultimately, ultimately understanding that our time is limited on earth, and there we have a book that Allah Azza wa has sent to us. And this is a book that if we abided to its laws and we reflected over its ayat, then it is going to take us out from darkness, put us on a path of light. It is going to take us away from the path of the hellfire, put us on a path to the paradise. If we understand that, then we will understand exactly how this Qur'an should be recited and how it should be utilized. You need to know first that this Qur'an, this Qur'an is either your road to Jahannam or it's either your road to the paradise. 
depends how you do it. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Yudillu bihi kathiran, wayahdi bihi kathiran." This very same Quran could be a source for your misguidance. That's what you're talking about. You're telling me people read this Quran in certain events, in certain occasions, right? You mentioned people want to do uh, Quran when someone has died. Surah Yasin al Mayyit, for example. Or when people get married, they want to recite Al Fatiha. Al Fatiha. When we get married. All practices that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not do. And so as a result, such a person is upon misguidance. He's upon misguidance. Well, Quran is misguiding him in this in this realm, in this action of his. And the one who reads the Quran in a manner that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reads the Quran in his salat, this is where the Quran is supposed to be recited, reads the Quran during the day, during the night, especially at salat al-fajr time, inna Quran al-fajri kana mashhuda, these are recommended times to read the Quran, such a person is being guided through the Quran, and he will be on a path to the paradise. So this is what we need to understand. Also our understanding of the Qur'an That we take the understanding of the Qur'an From Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And from the companions And we do not trespass this understanding We do not transgress this understanding لَأَنَّ النَّبِي صَلَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمِ He said هَلَاكُ أُمَّتِي بِالْكِتَابِ وَاللَّبَنِ He said هَلَاكُ أُمَّتِي The destruction of my nation Will be by this Qur'an كيف how can the Qur'an be a source of my misguidance and destruction? How? When you try to understand it according to your desire. And according to your own desire. So if a person tried to understand the Qur'an by his own way and started doing with the Qur'an whatever he likes to do and veed away from Hadi nabi from the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then yes, the Qur'an is going to destroy you. Yes, yes, when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, this Qur'an is going to be an evidence and a proof against you or for you. We need to be very, very, very careful. Not every relationship with the Qur'an is a praised relationship. The relationship with the Qur'an that follows the guidance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon the understanding of the best of generations, that's the type of relationship that is going to take you to the paradise and that the Qur'an would be a uh, witness for you on the Day of Judgment. Now, Sheikh, before we move on and take a few questions, we're getting a commonly famed asked question. Do you suggest any tafsirs in English that no. can maybe assist until the, the brother or sister learns Arabic and have the ability to understand Arabic and therefore access uh, books in the Arabic language? Now, there is an excellent tafsir that has been translated from Arabic to English, and that is tafsir al-Sa'di. MashaAllah. Tafsir al-Sa'di. Al-Sheikh al-Sa'di, rahimahullah, he is the teacher of Sheikh Ibn Uthaybin, rahimahullah. And he did a fantastic work when he did a tafsir of the Qur'an. Nice, beautiful language. Um... Very simple, very relevant as well, because he's contemporary. I and mean, he died uh, about 60, 50, 60 years ago, Sheikh uh, Sa'di, rahimahullah. And now, finally, his tafsir in Arabic has been translated into the English language in 10 volumes. So if you search tafsir as-Sa'di, tafsir as-Sa'di, A-S-S-A-I-D, um, you will get it ta'ala. you'll find it in the bookstores and I think you can download it as well whatever it is but try to download that get a copy of it and read 10 pages a day Yahi, 5 pages a day with the family you're going to find after a week 2 weeks a month a tremendous wealth of knowledge in your mind and a upgraded relationship with the Quran no doubt try it and you'll find and you'll make your own story on this Sheikh, before we uh, move on to some questions, do you have anything else you'd like to add on your relationship with, about your relationship with the Quran after Ramadan? Just being consistent. Because the, the thing you find is that people will have the passion, will have the energy, will have the drive, right? No. So especially those that did not finish the Quran, they might say, oh, you know what? I've got two more jizat left. 
Yalla, I'll read, I'll finish them after Ramadan and, and then that's it. But we need to be consistent. Wallah, even if it was five minutes a day, just don't cut it. Five minutes a day. In one week, you have what? 35 minutes of reading Quran. 35 minutes is enough to finish a jizat. If Even if you can't read, listen. 35 minutes is enough to finish a jizat of listening. So imagine that. Yani in 30 weeks, you'll finish listening to the entire Quran. And the one who listens to the Quran earns the same reward as the one who reads it. For every letter, 10 hasanat. Do something realistic like that. Five minutes. Isn't that better than 30 weeks going by and you still haven't read anything? Wouldn't it have been better if you committed to five minutes a day and by 30 weeks you would realize that you finished reading the entire Quran or listening to the entire Quran? Wasn't that better than saying, you know what? I don't know how to do I don't know how to manage this. Forget it. 30 weeks go by, you haven't done anything. We need to be very smart. And we need to be consistent. And we need to understand that Allah loves the actions that you do that are consistent, even if they were in small portions. Sheikh, one of our listeners um, said that the Sheikh said to memorize the first 10 from Al-Baqarah, not Al-Kahf at the start of the show. And I think that was a slip of the tongue. Okay, naam. Surat Al-Kahf. Salam ahsantum. Barakallahu feekum. Alhamdulillah. People are listening. Sheikh, I think we have a question here related to the previous program where we spoke about how to stay uh, firm and steadfast after Ramadan. Uh, the question I ask, after Ramadan, some people feel fatigued and shaken off, even not attending the masjid for a few days. Can we please get some advice to combat this? Now, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Inna li kulli amalin shirrah, wa inna li kulli shirratin fatrah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, for every action, for every good deed you do, there is shirrah. Shirra comes from the word sharar, which means there's spark, there's energy, there's enthusiasm. For every righteous deed you do, at the very beginning, everyone's pumped, there's energy, and you engage in it really well. Then the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَإِنَّ لِكُلِّ شِرَّةٍ And for every spark and every energy that you have for a specific type of worship, there is fatra, futur, there's laziness, tired, Fatigue, boredom. Hmm. I said, the third thing is, what do we do? First and foremost, you need to acknowledge that this is something natural. This is what Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is teaching. And so as a result, al-ulama rahimahumullah here recommend for a person to, يعني, يجدد العلاقات بالعبادات. Meaning, refresh and renew your relationship with other types of worships. So if you're feeling that for the night prayers, for example, let's say يعني, you had energy and you prayed the night prayers, then on specific given nights, you had this like really laziness and boredom and you're just getting tired of it. Switch. Switch now. Go to another type of worship. Read the Quran, al-Nashat. Refresh your relationship with worship with another type of worship. Switch from one worship to another. In Islam, we have about 70 worships. They're the ones that يعني, are known as Shu'ab al-Iban, the branches of Iman. And there are books written in this, like uh, Kitab al-Bayhaqi. Um. Al-Bayhaqi, rahimahullah, has got a book, The Branches of Iman. He mentions 70 or more or less uh, of the righteous deeds we have. Flip, go from one worship to another. Keep changing, go from one to another. يعني, you read the Quran, you're starting to get tired. Go engage in sadaqah. Go help someone. Go engage in amr bil ma'roof, for example, among your family. Go visit the graveyard, ya He mentioned that in Shu'ab al-Iban, it is a worship to go and visit the graveyard. Could be a source of, 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 of being cleansed of your sins. As the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions in a hadith, uh, it, 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 it could uh, renew your tawbah. A person could renew his tawbah when he goes to the graveyard. Change, mix him up. Go from one thing to another. And this is the idea. When we know the worships, We'll have plenty of worships to go from one to another. And then by the time you finish, you go back to As-Salat, you'll have another type of energy, another burst of energy to go and pray again and read Quran. And this is how you got to do it. Yeah, this is how we need to do it. We have a question off topic, if you don't mind. It's uh, Sister Rosie asks, How can I help my friend who has removed the hijab after the protests in Iran about hijab? I want to help her, but don't know the best way to speak to her about it. Yeah, uh, 
With the ID first and foremost, make dua for her. Naam. That's the first thing. You need to make dua for her. Sincere and honest dua from your heart. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to guide her. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to open her heart to Al-Islam, to the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you do that from the bottom of your heart. Then a sincere dua for a brother or a sister goes a long way ahead. Yani, if Allah Azza wa Jal accepted this one dua of yours, perhaps he'll guide her to once again wear the hijab. And not only that, at the same time, you earn the dua of an angel that will ask Allah Azza wa Jal for you to have the same manner that you're asking for your sister. So if you're wearing the hijab, the angel of the dua, the, the, the dua of the angel would mean to keep you firm upon your, your hijab. That's the first matter, dua. Then the second matter is, remind her. And do not be concerned for results. Now our biggest problem is, like this question here. She's asking this question because she's thinking, I'm going to give her an answer that is going to be the most effective way and that the next day she's going to be wearing the hijab. It doesn't work like this. Advice. Remind. That's your job. That's the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa He couldn't even guide his own uncle Abu Talib. It's not upon us to guide the people. Allah guides. Allah guides who he wants. So upon us is فذكر. Remind. That's what it's upon us. So after making dua, call this sister and have a discussion with her. Ask her, what had happened to you, O oh sister? You wore the hijab. You removed the hijab. You're upon the obedience of Allah. What happened? Is there something we can do to help you? Is there a misconception you have? Is there a doubt you have? What creeped into your mind for you to remove it? See what it is. Maybe it's a doubt. Maybe she'll say, and oh, I no longer believe it's obligatory. I heard it's sunnah and it's not obligatory. Huh? Okay. If that's the case, now we know where the poison is and we start to address that. Okay, so you've got a doubt, sister. Come, I invite you to the Quran or Sunnah. Let's come and review the ayat that speak about hijab. Let's read it firsthand. See, is this language the language of a recommended deed or is it the language of an obligatory? Let's read the scholars and what they've said. So try to understand from her what has led her to this. Why'd she remove the hijab? Is it pressure? in her society? Is it ignorance? Is it um, Allah, she wants to impress others in society? Is it her work and it's forced her into this? It could be a million reasons. So you need to know the reason for why she's removed it. And then afterwards, you then have to learn the best approach to address that reason for why she removed it. You know? Now, some women, they remove the hijab and they say, oh, because I'm trying to get married. And no proposal came ahead. So if I remove the hijab and then I'm seen, maybe then I'll get proposals. You don't want that. You don't want people to propose to you because of how they saw your hair. You want the people. Why did Islam obligate al-hijab? Why? So that whoever now later on uh, approaches you for marriage, they approach you for marriage for who you are, not for what you have on you. A woman that exposes her body and her beauty to the world to be seen. When she gets proposals, most likely these proposals are because of the way she looks, not for who she is. See, the mercy of Allah when he says for the woman and the sister to cover up, cover up so that when someone comes and marries you, he comes to for who you are, not for what you have on you of beauty and look. What? Because this beauty and look that's on you, if it it's going to go backwards every day. A person doesn't enhance in his looks every day. It's backwards every day. And then there's makeup and tons of... Uh, if, if you go backwards, then he will divorce you when he doesn't see what you had when he first married you. You know? That's the idea. This is why the hijab... Maybe she can give her these points. Man. If, as I said, it depends on the reason for why she removed that and no. she can take the conversation from there. No. Thank you. We'll take a final question. There's many, but we'll just yeah. run out of time. Um, TS asks, is it better to read the Quran in Arabic without the translation if you don't know the Arabic language or should you read each ayah in Arabic and then also the translation in English along with it? No, I'm Jayid. So um, the best way here would be to read the Arabic ayah, the ayah in Arabic, and then to stop, and then to read 
the translation of the ayah. And why is that the case? Because you might say, I'm going to read 10-15 minutes of the Quran in Arabic and then I'll dedicate some other time for the tafsir or the translation. Most likely it's not going to happen. You might read 15 minutes and then get tired and bored, close the Quran, and you know, what for? Once again, be realistic in how you manage your relationship with the Quran. So read an ayah in Arabic and then stop and read the tafsir underneath. Try to learn what it means. That could be one type of recitation of the Quran you have during the day. And then have another session of reading the Quran during your day and night in where it's purely reading the Quran in Arabic. You can have more than one session with the Quran. Why does it have to be one session? I know you're going to cramp everything in there. Have more than one session. One session is to read the Quran, every one ayah Arabic and English translation. Ayah Arabic, English translation. Then I have a separate session with the Quran that comes just before I sleep. I've given that five to ten minutes in where I'm just purely reading the Arabic. Or listening, because listening is a beautiful thing. Our first relationship with the Quran was listening. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, "Alladhina yastami'oona al-qawla wal-kuffar in the Jahannam." They will say, "Yani, wa qalu lo kunna nasma' aw naqil." Wa idha qura al-Quran fastami'u lahu wa ansitu. Right? Wa idha sarafna ilayka nafar min al-jinn yastami'oona al-Quran. So our first relationship with the Quran was to listen. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam listened to the Quran before he read it, so listening to the Quran is something beautiful, and you read, you listen back with a beautiful. Uh, a voice, it just relaxes the heart, calms the heart down. Perhaps when you're listening, you can follow through with the translation of the Qur'an. No, so have more than one session during the day and during the night with the Qur'an. I would like to thank you for being with us. Do you have any final advice for our listeners and our viewers? No, the advice would be um, that take your relationship with the Qur'an serious. Um, for those that are married, those that have families that are listening, uh, Yani, gather the family upon the Qur'an. Don't do your own thing on the side. Engage the entire family, the wife and the husband together, in front of the children, bring them all together, and read from the Qur'an together. This is very, very, very important. One of the fundamental matters that would keep a marriage together and will keep a family healthy and upright is that they encourage one another upon the worship of Allah. No doubt about this. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would do this to his own family, he'd pray the night and then he'd say to Aisha, Aisha get up and pray. The idea is he used to encourage his family upon the worship. So when we're speaking about the worship of the Quran and reciting the Quran, bring the children together. Read the Quran all together. Doesn't matter if you re- end up reading one page or two pages. It's not about this. It's about engaging everyone in this worship. Read the Quran. Allah will put barakah in this house. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Hadith Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, Nabi sallallahu says, The house would expand upon its inhabitants and the goodness of a house would increase and become abundant. And the angels will be present in a house that recites the Qur'an. That recites the Qur'an. And if the angels are there, meaning the shayateen are gone. And if the house is becoming open and wide and vast upon its inhabitants, that means depression and worry and sadness and concern is all flying out of the window. It doesn't exist in the house anymore. And exactly opposite to this is true. Abu Hurairah said that Nabi Wasallam said, وَإِنَّ الْبَيْتَ لَيَضِيقُ عَلَىٰ أَهْلِهِ وَتَحْضُرُهُ الشَّيَاطِينَ وَيَقِلُّ خَيْرُهُ إِلَّمْ يُقْرَأْ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ The house will become congested and restricted upon its inhabitants and dwellers. And the devils will be present in a house and the goodness of a house would reduce if there is no Qur'an recited in it. How many people complain? How many people complain today about, uh, about evils? that they experience in their families, in their household, devils, possessions, jinn stories, and, uh, and no barakah in his wealth, no barakah in the family, kids are always fighting, 
husband and wife always shouting, cursing, slandering each other. Is the Quran in the house or not? Most likely there's nothing. Most likely there's nothing of the worship established in the house with the children and the husband and the wife. Bring this new habit into the house now after Ramadan. You'll find a world of a difference. This is, this is the nature of worship. The worship, its nature is that it softens the hearts. And if the hearts are softened, there's a relationship with Allah. People become more respectful of each other. People would love each other. The family would connect together. This is a system Allah has taught us. It's not a system I'm making up. We try it, inshallah ta'ala, and we'll see the goodness of it. Sister, thanks you for the comment about hijab. Jazakallah khairan for answering my question about hijab. Uh, as a river, I am finding my way in terms of advising people. Uh, but great to understand. Jazakallah I'd like to thank all the brothers and sisters who uh, who gave us Eid Mubarak messages. And thank the Sheikh and said Jazakallah khair. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for those messages. And we apologize to the brothers and sisters who we couldn't get to their uh, comments and feedback and, and questions. And a shout out we got from Sheikh uh, Farhan as well. Assalamu alaikum assalam. Barakallah feek, uh, Sheikh uh, Farhan. Um, and all the brothers at Dar Salam Bookstore in Lakemba and also in Melbourne. Uh, Sheikh, a few brothers are asking about your, your details. Um, and the, the last lesson regarding the last program we had about staying firm, you can find it on, on the Alban Radio YouTube channel. And regarding the Sheikh's details, the Sheikh is very active and even when he's overseas on his various platforms on YouTube, you can find the Sheikh Abu Bakr Zawd. Uh, also on Facebook and Instagram. Is that right, Sheikh? No, no, no. Allah Taabal, Allah may Allah Azzawajal bless the efforts. We jazakumullahu khaira. Wa yakbarakallah fiqdi, Sheikh. We'd like to thank all our listeners for being with us, our tech team, and all the brothers who have listened to Albayan Radio over the past month. Please continue to listen to Albayan Radio, download our app, subscribe to our podcast channels and our YouTube channel. And until next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Albayan Radio, the voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah.